0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to our show.
1: Mike Shope and the Bulldog here. Always a pleasure. And really just the, the, the greatest, Travis Yost with with us on the West Hur Hotline from TSN. Travis, so um, I guess I want to ask you how training is going first. I always want to catch up on your life
2: it's going great it's it turns out that when the bills lose in stunning fashion it's like rocket fuel for your rest of your week opens up and it's like i don't have to listen to that ninth bills podcast and go for another run so uh, yeah just limit up on the training
1: well i guess that's good that's a that's a wrong making a right or something um
2: (laughs) and this is arcing towards boston in april right yeah, I'm doing Boston, in April. I'm going to do. I think I'm doing a couple Ironmans in the second half of the year, um, some full distance ones. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try. I'm looking. I don't know, 240, 245. I think is doable for Boston. It's my. Right. It'll be my second trained marathon. My first, well, technically my third. But uh, yeah, I'm feeling real good. Very few bumps and bruises. I'm I'm in this very lucky stretch where. Uh, you know, I've been able to get up to 70, 80, 90 miles a week and uh, just, you know, been able to manage it for the most part. So uh, I'm coming to camp in the best shape of my life, boys. <laughs> of muscle and all that. What could go wrong? Since, <laughs>
1: since I know you, I have to believe that, I, uh, you know.
2: His agent said he was in the best shape of his life, but he hasn't scored in uh, three months. What's going on with you? Yeah. Right. I
3: don't want to spend a lot of time here, Travis, but do you at all feel like you're piling on? When you share your observations about the ineptitude of the league and certain aspects of the All Star festivities, because I sort of do, like it, it's, it feels like an easy mark. Um, but I feel like the league sort of continuously just sort of steps in it, and I, you know, maybe there's no pleasing some of us. I, I guess I'd want, I maybe want to say, but it just, man, there's just some stuff that goes on it, it, around these events that are inexplic- inexplicably. Poorly handled.
2: I, I think there's truth to that, and I, I have to keep it front of mind too because I can be cynical by nature. And like even when I was watching the All Star weekend over there, I, I think what I first said was like, "Hey, look, this is really hard to pull off. Like your audience is kids. Like it's really hard to make an entertaining product while making sure that the players are still." Engaged, but also Mm -hmm. no one wants to exert any effort. How do you like package this entire thing together? And it's really, really hard. So I'm very sympathetic from Mm -hmm. a business standpoint. But the other side of that coin, and why I think sometimes skepticism and cynicism yield results, there's there's few things I've written about more at TSN since I started in 2014 than the playoff format sucks and all variations of the way of saying the playoff format sucks because it's like the NHL is trying to have their cake and eat it too. With We want divisional play and we all we care about is divisions and geographical rivalries, which I am so, I, I'm so averse. And that, that is just not where sports leagues are going in 2023, but fine. You want this forced divisional format, but then you introduce two wild cards per conference. And it's like I, all they're doing is just creating inefficient seating on top of inefficient seating. The reason why I bring up the playoff format, though, is I've been writing – I'm positive I've been writing about this for seven years. Um, this was the first stretch, it felt like, where I really feel like uh, the commentary or opinion, including the players, for that matter, in and around heading into All-Star Weekend, was like, yeah, the, the playoff format's kind of lacking. So, you know, yeah. I, I, I take the point uh, and and I, you know, I, I try and keep in front of mind that I'm not perfect about it. Sometimes I feel like I'm a little overly critical. On the other hand, like – I look at this, and I'm like, this is something I've been jumping up and down about for seven years, and you're starting to see the NHL and players grease the wheels just a little bit for, yeah, maybe there will be a couple tweaks and changes. I thought this weekend was illuminating because I thought it was the first time they actually opened the door to saying, yeah, we're probably going to change something here. And by the way, people probably won't like it. I probably won't like it, but they are at least listening. And I have to think Sidney Crosby, Crosby's comment um, about kind of rolling back to a true 1-8, and not, mm-hmm. a true 1-8, not the top three divisional winners get the top three seats. I think his comment and his sentiment carries a lot of weight, and I think you saw a lot of, uh, I, I, a number of players kind of moving in lockstep and joining that comment. And to me, that, I mean, that goes back to what we started writing about seven years ago, which is like, this, this doesn't work the yep. way the league thinks it does.
1: Plus, we're staring down the Leafs and the Lightning again in the first round, and we've known that since like election day. Uh, so it's a lot, a lot of the drama.
2: But, but to, to that point too, right? And then I get, I get killed. Oh, it's Maple Leafs. You're pro Maple Leafs. I started writing about this when St. Louis and Chicago did it back to back in 2015 <laughs> and 2016. We knew that matchup was happening months in advance, and I, I get it. It may not have had the same. Uh, information. I mean, the explosion of information and the criticism and complaining from Leafs fans proper, and I get it, they're not as big a fan bases, but Chicago and St. Louis were similarly situated. Minnesota was impacted last year the same way Toronto was, and it's like you're going, for as long as you have a talent imbalance in any division, you are going to have problems seating it in the current format, and I just, I have all the time in the world for how the NHL creates revenue and generates revenue, and I think fans, including myself, are a little too uh a little too blunt or a little too brazen from time to time in skirting um how how important it is to truly make money to make this vehicle work. But come playoff time. Competition matters. The players care, the coaches care, the owners care, the league cares. You can't have a format where you're basically flipping a coin on seating. I mean it can't work like that.
1: Yeah, the Bulldog's question before we move on about like it just feels almost redundant or, I don't know, whatever, just to be criticizing the league. We all have sort of the same instincts, I think, in this way. But what makes me want to never quit is the way Batman reacts to it, which is just like they've never had a problem yeah, in, any, in any area. They've never had a problem. We have secret polls that tell us that we love the digital boards, and we love, I mean, just everything is always fine. And, I mean, the, <laughs> I would never get anywhere with him, but I would never want to stop trying.
2: I will make – I I think Gary Bettman is utterly brilliant. Um, I I, I mean that. I will also underline your comment with this. Um, He famously, infamously, uh, was the last bastion or one of the last bastions of, hey, fighting – and by the way, this is all because it was in lawsuit and on legal pleadings Mm – fighting is actually valuable because it cools the temperature on the ice was a real comment that came out of his mouth years ago and that was when everyone was like "Eh, the stage fighting it kind of doesn't make sense anymore and by the way it was in lockstep with gary bettman being one of the last um and i still don't think he's ever gotten there with is there a link between head trauma and cte and you know this sort of stuff and research is well above our pay grade but there is a pretty established consensus opinion here and gary is in the not Not a minority opinion, an extreme minority opinion when it comes to you know we 're not sure if head trauma leads to c t and I'm like, i 'm like you know that that stuff it 's made its rounds in the concussion litigation and the Derek Bugard lawsuit you 've seen it time and again, but it, to me sometimes I think that 's indicative of someone who 's unwilling to compromise in maybe some instances in which he should, and I get it there 's a lawsuit so there's there 's claims um, there 's financial there 's financials' tied to it, but you see that same I'm digging a trench on this matter with stuff that's immaterial and inconsequential playoff right. format. You, know, you run the gamut of everything. So I do think it's a little, a little old hat. I, I've, I've said it and I've said it for years. What the NHL really could benefit from would be some fresh new voices um, in upper management. You're seeing that with the NHL affiliates, but you're not seeing it at NHL proper yet. And I think it's a good yin and yang, right? You get you get the guys, uh, the guys and girls who've been in the industry for 20, 30, 40 years who know this stuff like the back of their hand. Tie them up with people who really do watch the NHL on a nightly basis. Like I should have, I should have maybe borrowed this 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 comment first. Like the whole, oh, actually, digital ads work perfectly. It's like, has anyone watched the game? I've never watched the game where a digital ad has worked perfectly. It's just constantly <laughs> blurring the TV. So to me, it's like that that that's it's said in bad faith, right? And I think that's off. Awesome. Right. Yeah.
3: Just, just, we can move on now. I mean, I, I raised the, 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 you know, taking pot shots at them for the All Star stuff. And you make a good point, traps I mean, it, it is a, it's a tough thing to pull off. Um, but as simple as designing jerseys that won't confuse your viewers, like the, the, the All Star game, for folks who didn't watch, I'll just say this and then we can move on to talking about the Sabres, which should be fun. Um, The the announcement, Sean McDonough, Ray Ferraro. The the broadcast opens on Saturday afternoon, and you've got McDonough telling us that the backs of the one jersey almost matches the front of the other, and they're having trouble in the building uh, identifying who's who. And I'm like, look, I've got a huge TV, and the picture's crystal clear, but I'm not in the building. You're having trouble?
2: Just... My God, it's not that hard, you know. The like other, the other thing to that, and this is very chicken or the egg because that was such a sandwich, so to speak, that the league put on. Um, it's hard to know how much of the league, how much of it was induced by the league onto the broadcast partner, and how much did the broadcast partner pour gasoline onto the fire because <laughs> yeah. in, you know, I, I know a lot of people were there and some people were you know talking out of both sides of their mouth they probably tell you yeah this is kind of a s show but you know we're having fun and i get it and it's you know everyone's got different opinions but i i thought the broadcast quality left quite a bit to be desired but in the same breath it's like well how jazzed up can you get people mm-hmm. to be about a game that is meaningless and that's that's the game i mean forget friday Friday night, the skills competition where you want your six- and seven-year-olds watching at nine o'clock at night, Um, I thought that was sorely, sorely lacking. Uh, I I actually, I do believe this. I think the NHL is going to re-envision a lot of what they do during All-Star Weekend. I thought it was that bad. Um, And by the way, like, this is where you experiment, right? Fell fast. Like, okay, it didn't work. It wasn't great. Most people probably didn't enjoy it the way they have in past. Okay, fine. This is inconsequential. Let's re envision this next year. and Let's try something else. Like it doesn't have to be negative, but I think you you, yep. you can't sit and look at All Star Weekend and be like, Wow, that was great. We had, we had great in Florida, and it was like no. I don't think anyone's saying that.
3: No one's. Saying yeah, it. I liked what they tried. You know, like the the golfing and the like, but the 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 broadcast of it, like like. Watching two thirds of the event and then leaving it to come back for the conclusion, like I'm at the Olympics or something. I mean, just you've got me, all right? Oh, okay. Nick Suzuki with a hockey stick shooting a hockey puck across a fairway. All right, I'm interested. Oh, look, the second shot—they're on the green. Oh, now let's go to something else. Like, what? What are we even doing
2: here? I'm going to stop you right there because it's not the Olympics until it's on a 12-hour tape delay, and you already know what happened on (laughs) Twitter 12 hours before. So I'm going to stop you right there. Okay.
1: Travis Yost with us here on WGR. Buy points for two spots. Washington, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Islanders, Florida. It's a six-point grouping there. You can go further if you want. Maybe you'll want to throw Ottawa in. I don't know. Um, How do you like the the Sabres' chances?
2: I really like it in large part because I don't – think that the competition is that compelling i think i think i think florida still offers more and i think ottawa still offers more but i think ottawa has the i mean you're 50 games into the season you don't have enough points banked it's going to be a pretty big uphill climb they do have talent i just don't think this is their this is going to be their year i think florida can still dig out of that hole um the hole they put themselves in early in the year i i think buffalo is as well positioned as any of those five teams to qualify the question I keep and, – and in large part because I believe in their lineup. Like And I, I wrote something mm-hmm. similar about Edmonton. But, like, breath matters a lot in hockey. Like, you can have a really dominant top line and still be an average team. You can have a really – you know, a very well-balanced team. But if you don't have the top tier performance, you're both going to be on the treadmill's mediocrity, right? What I like about Buffalo this year is you're seeing breath. You're seeing performance across the top nine. You're seeing two very, very capable pairings. And I think if you're asking, can Buffalo qualify for the postseason? One, the answer is yes. And they may actually, um, you know, 10, 10, 15 games from now, they may have flipped this to the point where they're actually in an advantage position relative to all four of these other teams. On the other hand, I still think the question, and I I know I've talked a little bit this blue in the face, but like I still think your confidence in the goaltending group that they have right now, lukanen has been okay. I think he's stopped ninety percent on the year. Craig Anderson has way outperformed, but he's you know almost fifty years old. And Eric Comrie <laughs> has been very you know very limited in his usage. I still think this is ultimately a goaltending question, and why I say that is because I do think Buffalo can get fifty to fifty-one percent of the goal share or expected goals at even strength. I think the power play can hang in. So the question is, can your goaltending hang up just enough, especially relative to these other four teams? uh i don't know that to be the case it's an obvious risk area for buffalo it's a position they neglected to some degree as they were coming through this transition i don't know i think an interesting question is would they have acted differently in the offseason if they knew that the lineup was going to yield the same results that they did the last two months of last year because they have mm-hmm. um yeah and maybe and maybe they get there with this group right maybe maybe lucan and carries him down the stretch and 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 he is the guy long term but I think that's the part where you're going to see fluidity. And I think if you're saying, oh, where, where do you get bearish with this team? It's still with the goaltending. It's, and it's not, it's not boogeyman. I think a lot of it is you have confidence in the skaters now. It's just what are you going to yield from a goaltending contingent that's either very old or very immature to the position.
3: Yeah, any any hopes they have are contingent on Tage Thompson not missing a lot of time, and we, we we don't really know the timing of that injury last Wednesday, the last game they played. You know, here's the All Star break, and now they're on bye, so like they simply aren't around to answer questions about any kind of a timeline. The only reporting that there was on it was late in the week that said it was not believed to be serious.
2: They also have one of the most – I think that's an r- incredibly good point because they also have one of the most – maybe the most um, quality of teammate reliant player in the league in Jeff Skinner. I mean, we look at <laughs> Jeff Skinner having another good year. And if you look at his entire career track record, and you, you could pull all the calls that we've had when Skinner was exploding, when Skinner couldn't score a goal in 40 games, all things in between. If you look at his career production, even in Carolina predating that, when he was hot in Carolina, when he was ice cold in Carolina, it almost entirely ties back to who was he playing with on a line on a night-to-night basis. And that's not a criticism of Skinner. Skinner's a finisher. I I don't think he's the playmaker he once was um, even earlier in his career. But you start taking away players like Thompson out of the scope of Skinner, it starts to impact other players who are creating value like Skinner for the Sabres, so yes, obvious point is obvious. They have to stay healthy, but I, I think that's I think that's a pretty important distinction too. Because Skinner, yeah. I think Skinner's twenty and twenty-three this year, having another great year, and he's an important piece in that top nine.
1: We've talked about him, as you said, many times over the years. Been good and bad. Dalene, we've talked about almost every time too, Travis. just a couple minutes here at the most, if you if you can, just uh, your observations on him. And I mean, he might not win the Norris Trophy, but you know, okay, <laughs> like <laughs> we're, we're looking at a guy who looks is believable as someone who was drafted 101
2: well, let me ask you, so i the member we it wasn't it wasn't a year and a half ago where I, I thought Rasmussen lean and again I I, I I think I attribute some of it to the poor talent maybe around him, but mm-hmm. I thought he was playing a little bit slower than than what we saw maybe from his rookie year, and on top of that, I think he was making more mistakes in the defensive zone. As the team has improved, oh my goodness have they been able to tap into his transition game. And he's playing so much quicker now than he ever has. And it's just constant one-and-dones in the defensive zone, getting his team up on the attack. I have been blown away. And I do think – I love the Norris comment because I do think – I think he's a very, very outside chance of the Norris. But – Look at his look at his pro- production profile this year. Who does it remind you of? Maybe the maybe one of the two or three guys ahead of him in the Norris race. Carlson, year old. But yeah, exactly, Eric Carlson. And right. when Rasmus Dahlin came and was selected by Buffalo, it was like, all right, the ceiling is Carlson. That seems insane. And you know, he's a generational defenseman. Uh, and, you know, I don't I don't think Rasmussen is going to kiss the ceiling of what Eric Carlson's ceiling was. But, man, if he gets 95% of the way there, you're talking about one of the five best defenders in the league. I mean, that's, that's where we're at right now. So, I, I don't think it's a slight in any way to say, hey, look, he's, he's kind of chasing a couple here. But in the same breath, I look at his production profile and it's like, man, the only player, the way he plays, the way he's producing, his scoring profile, they all look identical to Eric Carlson. And I think that is very exciting if you're a Sabres fan. Yes, well,
3: we talked already about the about the race, and Mike ticked off the teams, um, and Washington and Pittsburgh are the teams in those spots currently. Like, who's who's vulnerable? Who's most vulnerable there? Like, if the Sabers were to were to make
2: it, like, who are they? Who are they displacing? Is it, is it the Capitals? I, I think it's the Capitals. I, I gotta be honest, I don't think the Capitals have been very impressive this year. And like, board of the point, Buffalo has. I think Buffalo is plus sixteen in goal differential over the course of this year. I mean, they are easily if you did if you did a Pythag record based on goal differential, Buffalo is one of the 16 best teams in the league. That's where they're at right now. So I I absolutely think they can catch Washington. I have learned I will I will literally literally never bet against Alex Ovechkin until he retires because he's he's Tom Brady on ice at this point and and he's going to catch Gretzky and that that story remains as incredible and as compelling as any uh, part of me. Uh, but I, I think Pittsburgh's a, a, a slightly better team. Uh, than Washington. And Washington is not only top-heavy, very goaltender-reliant now as well. I think they can chase and cut down Washington. Uh, And quite frankly, I think if you re-simulated the season, (laughs) the first 50-so games, um, the way Buffalo has played, they probably have a few more points in the bank. I think they've left a few points on the table relative to how they've played. So it's going to be a super, super fun race down the stretch. But, like, I believe Buffalo is one of the best eight teams in the Eastern Conference. I believe that. Maybe they're seven or eight at best. But mm-hmm. I believe they're in that top eight. And when is the last time us three have said that?
1: Never. Never. Wait, we, haven't, I don't think... we
2: haven't known you. We haven't known you. We've <laughs> no. never had a conversation never. like this in
3: February, Travis. I,
1: I think it hasn't happened. Um, <laughs> Travis, so before you go, one Bills question Does how the season ended affect for you your feelings about their future?
2: <sighs> Mostly no, and only for one reason, which is this by like week nine, I, at least for me, I was like, oh boy, the offensive line is bad. It's bad, bad. And I, anyone who was watching Bills games knew that the only time they were moving the ball was when Allen was miracle quarterbacking behind the scenes. And if not, I mean, how many times did we watch, even in games where they would win by six, eight, ten points, it constantly felt like the offensive line was under duress. And I think the reason – the game was awful and – you know, I I think I think that was probably the worst possible version of that game in fairness to the Bills. Mm-hmm. But like on the other hand, like the offensive line was a problem all year and it showed up in the playoffs. And so after you get past that twenty four hour window of I'm a fan, I hate this, it sucks, which I think we all live through, like by Tuesday you're like, Yeah, the offensive line needs serious work. And on top of that the defensive line didn't show up either, and but at least you had an injury point there where you took the best player, you stripped the best player off the line, and say, oh yeah, go run it back with this group of players who couldn't get it done a year or two years ago. I, I I had though from midseason on real concerns about the offensive line, and I got to be honest, I was hedging, you know, sometimes profitably, sometimes not. But down the stretch, <laughs> I was betting against Buffalo pretty regularly against the spread, and I did I did against Cincinnati too. Because I, I, thought the, since, I thought the offensive line was a major hole, and it's such a major hole in relativity to a team like Cincinnati or Kansas City, where yeah, they may have holes too, but not as big of a magnitude. Or, and I, I think that's going to be the core focus of the offseason this year. It has to be because I don't think they can let Allen go through another year like that.
1: I know you were one of many who were like, "Why are the Bengals six point underdogs?" And me, I all, didn't all, get all,
2: it. All, I, I really didn't get it. I took, a, I, I took, I teased them. I took a money line. I, I and it wasn't, it wasn't like, "Oh, I think Cincinnati's the greatest team in the world." I'm like. All right, we are all watching this Bills game right like it's it's a lot of like cute plays and like wow great individual efforts but it wasn't like the machine that we i think had become accustomed to and I mm. i thought that line i thought it was a bad line from the jump
1: i all knowing responded to your tweet you know what to do right i was saying all week the line is so suspicious that's true but sometimes you know <laughs> anything can be right anything can be right okay almost travis always a pleasure thank you so much